Hey, good morning, everybody. It's almost like y'all know as soon as the music stops, you got to stop talking. You know, it's like it's a cue. So uh, we are glad that you are with us this morning. Uh, thanks for joining us at DCF. Um, I love that you've chosen to come and be with us this morning. We are going to worship Jesus because he is worthy. And I love that when we come together, he says that he will be in the midst of us. And what I love about that is that it is experiencing his presence. It is knowing his presence and being drawn near and close to him. And so this morning, will you stand with us if you're able? We're going to worship together. And Father, we just come in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, you have exalted your son. Lord, you have exalted him above every other name in heaven and in earth. Lord, we've come, Lord, to break this box of praise, to break this box of praise and worship and honor on you, Lord. God, would you inhabit the praises of our people, of your people, as we come and we make your name great. Lord, we turn our heart's affection to you this morning. Lord, that you would come by your spirit and just stamp us again and again. Lord, with, our, with just your love bearing witness that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God, that we are deeply loved and we are deeply treasured. Lord, thank you for your favor that rests upon us. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we worship you. Amen. Let's worship together, y'all.
Oh, God. 
singing it I had a picture of a bride and a groom and um, the way the groom looks at his bride for the first time I saw Jesus looking at us that way and I know we're singing this song to the Lord but I hear the Lord saying I'm singing it to you as well we're his treasures y'all he loves us deeply and it's just it's us we were created for him and I, I just the love that he feels for us I just I hope y'all can sense it he loves you he loves you it's nothing we do he created us for a relationship and I just can't get that picture of him looking at us the way a, a groom looks at his bride it's just beautiful
Um, I just want to share real quick. When she shared that with me, I'm like, we, we need to share this so we can take a little bit of time. Um, I got married about 37 years ago. <laughs> and what I remember on that day is not much. But uh, the one thing I remember is standing up at the front and Karen coming through the back. And the first time I saw her, I still, to this day, when I think about that image, I, I, I get a glimpse of what marriage, marriage is supposed to be. <laughs> And, and again, that was a taste, just a taste of how much the Lord loves us. And so as we worship through the song again, um, I know the guy who's preaching, so it's okay. We can take our time. <laughs> so just take a few minutes and just let God love on you. Just let him look at you. And I think sometimes we're so afraid to lock eyes with God because we're, we feel so unworthy. And, and the beautiful picture is that, yeah, everybody's unworthy. That's kind of the point of what Jesus did on the cross, right? And his heart for us is, I know all about your brokenness, and I love you anyway. And what happens is when we allow the Lord to begin to break into that hard heart of ours and to break through, his love is what transforms us. Not me and all my willpower going to turn over a new leaf, right? How'd that work out for everybody who went to the gym in January? <laughs> right? We know it. doesn't work. But when we sense and feel the love of God and the acceptance and, and just the kindness and the grace and the mercy that's lavished on us, something about that, it just draws us in. And we can lay down all the silliness and the foolishness. And we can let God love us. And when He does that, He transforms us. And that allows us to love other people the way He loves us. You want to share something? I want to read this, and it's definitely a, um, coming alongside with what Marcy shared of the picture because I had a scripture. And I want to read this to you. Uh, it's out of the Song of, Sol- Song of Psalms, uh, Song of Songs, sorry. Um, and it's the bridegroom king and how he sees us. And it says this it says, Arise, my dearest, hurry, my darling, come away with me. I have come as you have asked to draw you to my heart and lead you out for now is the time my beautiful one the season has changed the bondage of your barren winter has ended and the season of hiding is over and gone the rains have soaked the earth and left it bright with blossoming flowers the season for singing and pruning the vines has arrived I hear the cooing of doves in our land, filling the air. One second, sorry. Filling the air with songs to awaken you and guide you forth. Songs of worship awaken us. They awaken us to the heart of God. And it says this, it says, um, filling the air with songs to awaken you and guide you forth. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whisper, there is change in the air. I don't know about y'all, but there is change in the air from 2022 into 2023. 
there is change. And this is what I love. He says, arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. There is a place that you can choose to go this morning. He says this, for now is the time to arise and come away with me. This is an opportunity that we're in right now. And this scripture has always been one of my favorite ones. It says, for you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes of worship and lovely your voice of prayer. So this morning, you have an opportunity and I have an opportunity to, with abandon and without caution, stare into the face of the one who loves you the most. There is no gap. There is no space. It is the nearness and the closeness of your bridegroom because he loves you more than anything else. So let's worship. We're going to worship in this song again, and then we'll probably go into another. But this is our opportunity to lock eyes with the one who loves us the most. And I love how David shared the day that we were married. Can I tell you that the look on his face walking down the aisle because he had chosen me. So this morning, I want you to know that Christ has chosen you. He's chosen you. And so we're going to love and worship and adore him. Amen.
out to him this morning.
worship you. Lord, we thank you that there is no rival or equal to Jesus. Lord, I thank you, God, as we understand and know who we are in you, Lord, because your word declares, as you are in this world, so are we. God, let us grab hold of a paradigm shift this morning that you have given us authority over every enemy, that we have no rival 
We have no equal because of the power of the blood of Jesus being co-heirs with you in this life, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we worship you and we honor you that there is no rival. Lord, thank you that you declared and said your authority you gave to us and that Satan would be crushed underneath our feet. God, thank you that you did not leave us powerless. We are powerful in this life. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we worship you. God, I just declare over us this morning, Lord, that the more we know you, the more we see you, the more we know who we are in you. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Give us new eyes to see, Lord, who you are. Give us new eyes to see who we are, that we are a reflection of everything that you are, Lord. God, build us up into everything you've called us to be. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we worship you this morning. We thank you. Amen. Amen. For those of you who kind of um, missed our um, cardboard testimonies, we're going to run that for you. Um, if you missed New Year's, I know a lot of people were out of town, so we want you to be able to grab hold of some of the testimonies from 2022 of what the Lord has done in our house and his goodness and his favor and his kindness. Now, you can cheer when you see some of those. You also, because of the nature and the character and the kindness of who God is for us, his sons and daughters, if it's something that is a testimony on that card and you need it, say, Lord, do it again in my life. A testimony is a prophetic invitation for the Lord to do it again. So this morning, we're going to watch this, and we're going to take in some of the goodness of the Lord from last year.
Amen. That's some good stuff, isn't it? All right. Did you guys raise your hand or raise your heart to some of those? Amen. So the Lord loves us, you guys, and it's his kindness towards us that causes us to think about him in a new way, who he is and what his nature and character is like for us. So if you're new with us this morning, go to dothancf.com, uh, go to our connection card, click on new here. We'd love to hear your story. Um, we'd love to get to know you. You get to know us and how we can journey together. Um, our grace teams are today. We are going to be launching them to your right out here in the cafe. This is one of our most exciting times of the year because this is where you get to bring the strength of how God made you to cause this body to grow and build itself up in love when each one does its part. So when I take my giftings and I pour them on you and you take your giftings and you pour them on me, we cause one another to grow up in love. And some of those giftings, sometimes y'all have some sandpaper, so we get to rub it off of each other just a little bit. How many of y'all have ever had to do that with one another? Yeah, I, there's a few of y'all that are telling the truth. The rest of y'all are lying. I'm just saying. So, um, But, Amen, we're going to do our grace teams. For those of you that aren't familiar with that, that is where we are bringing, and, uh, bringing our gifts. But it's what we would call like volunteers. But we say grace teams because we know that there is a grace on your life that God wired you for that is unique to you, and we want to give you space to release that. So go sign up in the grace teams. Community groups are coming in February. If you would like to lead a community group, get with one of the leaders in the church. We would love to help you, kind of make sure that there's a great plan with that. Diana's heading that up, so you want to see her. Um, and grace, uh, the community groups look different every semester. The key is, is that you're doing life together, and you're traveling, and you're journeying with one another. Life is a journey, and we journey together. No one journeys alone. So we want to make sure that you've got some great people in your life and good support as you do this thing. So you can give online as well, dothancf.com, lots of ways to give. We are so thankful for the generosity of this house, and um, so just keep doing it. So, um, And then we're going to dismiss our kids. They are coming and hanging out with me and Miss Gay Lynn today, and so we're going to have a great time, and Dave's going to come and share his message with us.
community groups, all the things that are happening. Oh, look, man, way to go, Jeremy. By the way, that's one of the grace teams, so way to go, Jeremy. That's awesome, man. Thank you. All right, so I'm going to jump right in. Last week, we started a series called Discover Your Purpose, and the whole idea behind this, um, what I talked about last week, I just went really, really, really deep with the foundation. Today, I'm going to preach a short message about these grace teams, what that looks like, and then we're going to go through these double doors to my right, your left, and out in the cafe back there, we have tables set up, and all the grace team leaders will be there to answer questions. There'll be a little little sheet in front to kind of give you a synopsis of what the team is is, uh, all about, Um, you know, the different different kind of gifts and passions and the things that kind of make up who you are and how you would fit into that. So if this is new to you, what we try to do is make it as easy as possible for you to find your space. We call it your grace space. So find out how God has wired you and then plug into a team in our church in the kingdom. And what, that ha- what happens when you do that is you begin to learn and grow in your gift But also what happens is you begin to get discipled and disciple others. And then as that grows, Karen mentioned this before, um, the Bible speaks to that and it says that we build ourselves up. When each person does its part, when when every single one of us, and all of us, I'm going to get into this, but all of us have these gifts. When all of us do our part, the body grows in love. And when the body grows and builds itself in love, the body is the church and the church is the gift to the world. We are, not this building, not a service on a Sunday morning, but you and I are gifts to the world. That's the reason if you give your life to Jesus, he doesn't just take you right home. That would be kind of scary. It's like, hey, give your life to Jesus and you'll die. So <laughs> right? like we, don't, we don't give that. I mean, you will, but there's a gap. Hopefully, there's a big gap. But the whole idea is God begins to work inside of you, and as you are reconciled and made right with God and all that begins to happen, the Bible says that he takes you because you have been reconciled, then he qualifies you through grace, begins to equip you in all these different ways, and then he releases you to reconcile the world. That's part of the plan that Jesus has. He, he calls us to join on mission, and so we're going to jump into that. But last week, I talked about two major concepts that if you don't get this, grace teams and ministry and serving make no sense at all. And so those two concepts were real simple. One is that you're not your own. You're bought with a price. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says that. You were bought with a price. Therefore, because you're bought with a price, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I, I shared this before. The greatest theological discovery in my life was when I discovered I wasn't God. <laughs> right, and that he was, and that was better, actually, because he's way better at it than I am. The second concept we talked about was you owe a debt of love, and this is found in Romans 13, 8, so I'm going to read it in two different versions. Um, owe no one anything except to love one another. So the Bible speaks, if anybody ever heard of Dave Ramsey? I know the Sawyers have. <laughs> I saw that testimony about finance, but Dave Ramsey just goes after biblical finance, and one of the things he says is, Whatever you do, you got to get out of debt. You got to get out of debt. You got to get out of debt. And then from time to time on his radio program, and when he speaks, you'll hear him say, The one place that you never are going to get out of debt is in your debt to love one another. And there's a reason for that. Um, Let me read this other, this is a paraphrase of it. It says, Pay your debts as they come due. This is God's word, uh, not translation, but paraphrase. It says, Pay your debts as they come due. That's the Dave Ramsey part. However, one debt you can never finish paying is the debt of love that you owe each other. The one who loves another person has fulfilled Moses' teaching. I talked a lot about that in the, in, in the message uh, last week. But the concept behind this is you can't repay the debt that you owe to one another because that person is not the source of the, of the debt. It, remember, we started out, you are bought with a pro- price, you are not your own. The debt you owe that you can never repay really is to the Lord, right? 
And when you realize that, when you've given your life to Christ, then you realize this is a debt I could never pay. I tried. That's a picture of the law. I'm going to try. I'm going to do right. I'm going to be good. And the harder I tried to be good, the more I discovered I wasn't good at being good. Right, And so I discovered that I needed a Savior. And so Jesus comes. He rescues us. He takes our sin away. It's the most beautiful thing. It's the most beautiful message that has ever existed or ever will. It's the good news. It's the gospel. That Jesus takes my sin and replaces it with his righteousness. I can never repay that. But part of the way I express that love is in a debt of love to one another. And it's challenging. Everybody says they should love one another until you meet that person with a name and a problem, <laughs> right? And then it's difficult to love. So God challenges us to do it. First uh, John four nineteen says it this way, super simple. We love because he first loved us. See, the source has to come. If, if your source is not God, then somewhere inside of you, it's going to get all kinds of twisted, and we see that in the world. So the, the thing I want to bring out today, and as we talk about the, the different kinds of gifts, is that as you discover your purpose, what you're really discover, discovering is that you're connected to the source. If you are not connected to the source, you really can't discover your purpose. It's kind of like, it's kind of like trying to exist outside of everything else. It's, it's just not possible. So the idea then is if I don't know who I am or how God made me, then it's all confused because everything I try to figure out about who I am and, and what I am is built out of me. I become the center of my universe. I become so selfish that love only makes sense if it, if it makes me, if it does something for me, Right? So I only love people, I'm only in relationship people, with people if there's something to be gained. And that's not how God's love works. And the only way that works is that source, that unconditional kind of love, has to come from somewhere else because we don't have that within us to do. But as our nature is changed, as God comes and changes our character and changes our nature, he gives us now the ability to love other people with the same unconditional love that he has loved me. And that's a picture of what I talked about last week. And so as we discover who we are, if you, if you want to discover your purpose, I have conversations with people all the time, and it's always really interesting in their 20s when I have conversations with people because um, they're going to they're gonna be the first people in the whole universe who discovered without, you know, how to live their life without God. <laughs> and then later on I meet them in their 30s, and they're not so sure anymore. And, you know, and then you get into your 50s, and you're pretty sure that you have not figured it out, and there's some stuff that you don't know. It's a bit, it's a bit humbling, right? But what, what you'll find eventually is that some things cannot make sense unless there is someone else who's pouring this into us, and we kind of get that as, as believers. So I want to talk about grace teams. Karen mentioned the, re, the way we do grace teams, we don't call them volunteers, and there's a reason for that. It's not that you're not volunteering. That's true. But the, the danger of church, church life in general is we tend to borrow things from the world to do in the church. So we borrow, we borrow leadership from the world, and we try to govern in the church the same way that we would govern in the world or the military or anywhere else there's a hierarchy, right? And that's not how God does it. So let me give you an example. Um, in, in, the, in the business world, somebody comes in, they're having problems and issues, and they say, oh, I'm just really struggling, you know, that's why I was late, something's going on with the kids. And as an executive power in the business world with that hierarchy, I just say to them, I don't care about your problems. <laughs> I need you to do the work, and I want you to smile if you're in customer service while you're doing the work. Don't care how you feel. And if you can't do that, I will fire you, and I will hire someone else. Right? Now, we do that in the church, only we use a lot more words. Right? We're like, you need to get yourself together, man, right? And, and we don't mean to do it. That heart's not there. But so often we borrow principles from the world in how we do 
church world. The flip side of that is the nonprofit world where we come to people and say, hey, pretty please, will you help us with this cause? And I have to really be careful and treat you really carefully and treat you really well and blow sunshine up your nose <laughs> on a regular basis, right? Why? Because I need you so bad that if, if you don't do what, what you're supposed to do, then I'm just going to, I'm out to lunch, right? And so what God says is this. God said, hey, I'm the one who made you. So I can draw from you. I can, I can come to you and say, because I am the source, what I'm asking you to do is not too hard for you to do. Remember the scripture, is anything too hard for the Lord? You know why you find things so hard in life? Because you're doing it in your own strength and not in him, right? And so the same thing, the same concept is I, I, I come as a church leader and I go, hey, pretty please, will you serve in kids' church? Because we're always trying to find people for kids' church, right? Well, here, what if we said, it turns out that God made you very specifically, and you have gifts, and you have passions, and you have desires, and all those things God put inside of you because he had an intentional way for you to serve and love and build the body together and therefore reach the world. What if that were true? Then how would we approach it? We would come and go, my job then is to equip you so that you find and discover your purpose in Christ, your purpose in life, who you are, and you don't spend it all on your job. There's nothing wrong with finding your purpose and living that out in your job. God designed that so that you can bring income into your family, that you can bless not just yourself but your family and have an abundance so you can bless others as well, right? But the primary reason is for kingdom purposes because all that other stuff is going to go away. But people aren't going to go away. They live forever. So God wants us to take those gifts and invest them in, first of all, learn and discover them. We're going to talk about that. And then invest them in other people, right? So let me just give you a big picture concept of the gifts that you see, especially in the New Testament. You see it throughout the Bible. So there's basically three sets of gifts, three basic types of gifts. And I do a whole teaching series on this because it can be really, really confusing depending on our background and how we came up. But what we try to do is just go back to Scripture and say, not what did my tradition teach me. I went to Bible college in an Assemblies of God Bible college. And I love the heritage that I got from that. But we got some of those things wrong. And that's true from any perspective because we begin, we begin to get so one-sided and we, and we get this mindset that we are to face each other and go, you're wrong and you're wrong and you're wrong. So they can't be right about anything. Right? Isn't that how we do it in politics? Right? If you're a Republican, Democrats are just wrong about everything and vice versa. But we know that's not really true, but it's how we treat one another, which is why we get so polarized. But in the body of Christ, God called us, maybe I'm, I'm not where you are. Maybe you, you have some insight or revelation that I don't have. Well, if, if, you, if you take that and hold on to it with pride, then I'm never going to grow and never going to learn. Right? So God calls us to, to come together. So these three basic sets of gifts... One is the fivefold gifts, and, and so um, a lot of this is in Ephesians four. And so the picture of these gifts is you see gifts from the Father, from the Son, and from the Spirit. You see particular gifts that come from them, and you can you can go through Scripture and see this. Um, but one of the things you find with the fivefold gifts is it's everybody doesn't get these gifts. They're equipping gifts. It doesn't. It has nothing to do with value. You're not more important because you're clergy and somebody else is laity. That's how we kind of look at it if we're not careful, right? It's like I'm clergy and you're laity because I know the Bible because you know I went to Bible college and you know I know things. And they're like, well, maybe you know Jesus, <laughs> right? More than I know Jesus, and I know more about the Bible than you know about the Bible. But you're you're the one who has the relationship with Jesus that's greater than me. So I have to be careful of that, right? I can get I can get really lost in that. So the fivefold gifts. Uh, here's an example. I talked about where I went to Bible college. When I was in Bible college, we talked about this, Ephesians 4. We talked about ministry because most of us were going into ministry. 
And one of the things we said was, okay, here are the fivefold gifts, right? And at the time I went through Bible college, which is back in the 1700s, there was uh, <laughs> this concept of the threefold, fivefold ministry, right? So the three, threefold, anybody know what those are? Pastor, teacher, evangelist, stop, <laughs> right? Because apostles and prophets, those, you know, prophets, we see them in the Old Testament. We see them mentioned in Acts too, but we don't know what to do with that. So we just push them all back into the Old Testament. And apostles, there was 12 of those. There are no more. Can't talk about that, right? And so here's what, here's what the Assemblies of God did. Because they put out a paper, so there was questions about this, because it looked like God was restoring some of these five-fold ministry gifts. So the Assemblies of God put out a paper that said, you can be a teacher, a pastor, an evangelist, but you can't be an apostle, and you can't be a prophet. But underneath the subheading, it said, but you can be apostolic and prophetic. I'm like, I think you guys are hedging your bets. I think that's what you guys are doing, right? So like, can't, can you be evangelistic but not an evangelist? Sure, of course, and I get it. I understand where they were coming from, but here's my challenge to them is, I understand your tradition, I understand all those things, but the assemblies of God themselves at the time was about 100 years old as a denomination, which meant that nobody was an Assemblies of God person 100 years ago, right? Why? Because the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit across the entire world started again about 1904 in the Welsh Revival and somewhere around 1906 in Azusa Street, Cherry Creek, North, North Carolina, and now the Assemblies of God is the largest Pentecostal denomination on the planet. Also, Pentecostal Christians outnumber all the other Christians in 100 years. So by their very existence, they are a denomination that discovered something that was always true that nobody understood. And I just asked the question, and I always got in trouble. I'm like, why well, am I always in trouble? I'm just asking the question. You the ones ain't got no answers. I'm not saying I know the answer. I'm just saying I don't think you do either on some of these things, right? So here's why this is so important. If we don't understand this, we don't understand the equipping aspect of it, especially if I'm in ministry, I don't know what my job is. I don't know what to ask of you. I don't know. I can't come with confidence and say, here's, here's what it means to be equipped. People can't, sometimes come to me and go, I just don't feel like I'm being fed at DCF. Well, I'm like, okay. So you're going to go to another church and also not get fed. If you think the pastor is here to feed you, you have totally misunderstood Scripture. The pastor is here to equip you. So what about Peter and talking about feed my sheep? Yes, that's also true. That's part of shepherding. But you can, let's say you're a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist. If you're an evangelist and a five-fold ministry gift, your job is still also to feed, but it's primarily to equip, and we get that out of Scripture, right? So anyway, I could go, into, I could go way deeper in that. Second one is also controversial, so manifestation gifts, right? You find these in 1 Corinthians 12. There's other places where you see the example of it. But here's the picture of it. The, the, the manifestation gifts, we read those for years and years and years and years and years. Again, like the Assemblies of God, 100 years before, there was no Pentecostal churches. There were lots of people who had experienced in history of a Pentecostal nature, right? Supernatural things happening. And there were pockets of this all, all over the place until it exploded, again, around the early part of 1900. But here's what began to happen. They looked at the manifestation gifts and recognized that maybe because everything else was supernatural, these were supernatural, that maybe they weren't done away with like we all thought. Maybe we just didn't know what to do with them, right? And so we, we, I've watched, being part of charismatic and Pentecostal circles for years, I've watched people discover things. One of the big ones is how to really understand grace, right? Because it's like you, if you don't understand grace, then these gifts become 
what the first Corinthian church did with them, which is they lorded those gifts over people. So I get gifted, so I'm, I, I have a, a revelation of something or an experience that maybe you haven't had, and so in my immaturity, right, and insecurity, what do I do with it? I do sometimes what big brothers do to little brothers. I beat them over the head with it, right? I use my Bible, bang, 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 bang. I will drive you down so I can be high, right? It's not right, but we all have done those things in some form or fashion. So the manifestation gifts, I begin to discover these things, and I was very skeptical because I was dangerous in Bible college because I had this concept that I thought I ought to think for myself, <laughs> Now listen, I'm not unique. There was a bunch of people who, who, who had the same heart and the same desire. They just weren't as vocal as me. I would just ask the questions and get in trouble. And they would look at that and go, I don't want to get in trouble, so I'll, just, I'll figure that out later, right? But I would ask questions about tongues and interpretation of tongues and what does that look like? And, you know, what about prophecy in the New Testament? How is prophecy in the New Testament different than the Old Testament? What about apostles? Like I discovered as I read the book of Acts, there's more than 12 apostles in the Bible, in the New Testament, right? I was like, okay, nobody ever said that. <laughs> I'm like, did you guys know that there are multiple apostles and prophets? Agabus is called a prophet in the New Testament. Did you know that? If you read your Bible and you come across it, if you, if you have a bias against it, what will happen is your mind will just push it out of the way. I literally met a guy, an incredible believer, and I'm gonna get to this in just a second. He was an incredible believer, came to our church for a series about seven or eight years ago, ended up moving away, had a coffee one time with him. He said, I have some questions about the Holy Spirit. I'm like, okay. And so he said, I've never heard about this. I'm like, wait, didn't you grow up in church? He said, yeah. We never talked about the Holy Spirit. He's like, he was kind of like that uncle, you know, that you keep in the basement. And you know he's your uncle, but you want to let him out because he's a little crazy. I said, I have been in those meetings as a Pentecostal charismatic, right, where crazy uncle came out, and, and it wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was immaturity in the gifts and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and that was the problem the Corinthian church had with these gifts, and Paul didn't one time say, you need to get rid of the gifts. They're the problem. He said, your immaturity and your selfishness is the problem, and then he spoke about how to do these and manage these well in services and in meetings. It's powerful. That's found, like I said, that's found in 1 Corinthians 12. All of these are available to every believer. And I know that 37, 34 years of experience, been married 37 years, but 34 years of experience watching this and then seeing, seeing it in Scripture. And lastly, the grace gifts. So what are the grace gifts? The grace gifts are, you know, uh, the, the fivefold ministry gifts are from Jesus. Jesus said he, he gave gifts to men. He ascended and he gave gifts to men in, 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 in Ephesians. Manifestation gifts, the Holy Spirit gives uh, severally as he wills to people, right? And then the, the grace gifts are given by the Father. Why? Because these are the gifts that make up your identity. Um, if you were a leader as a little kid, you were, you were a strong leader, but you were incredibly selfish, right? And some of you guys got kids, and your kids have a leadership gift, and you watch that thing, and you're like, why is it that when they get around a group of other kids, they take over, like I'm the captain now, right? Let's look at all the other kids. I am the captain now. I'm in charge, right? Take over the whole scenario and then somehow use all of those kids to their own advantage, <laughs> right? You go over here, you go over here. Why? Because they, they think that the leadership gift that's inside of them is for them. And the truth is, it is for them, but it's also through them. And as they grow and they mature, they learn that those gifts that God pours into our life are not just for us, but they're to other, to other people as well. So let me just give you kind of a picture. Um, imagine a faucet, right? 
So this multi, like the grace gifts are like this. There's this multi-valve faucet. So, so you can turn off, say you, you have leadership gift, hospitality gift, and again, this found in Romans 12 and about two or three other places, you see these gifts represented. The Holy Spirit is, God is pouring out his spirit through these, through these valves, through these grace gifts. You can turn off that grace gift in your life. You can say, you know what? I'm not going to use the gift that God gave me to serve in the, in the kingdom at all. I'm just going to use it for selfish purposes. I'm going to make a whole lot of money. I'm going to bless my family, and that's fine. God will pour out his grace through any valve that is open. So how does that fit into, imagine, if you will, a multifaceted, which the Bible talks about the church, if all three sets of the gifts, let's put that one up there. So the grace gifts have valves. The manifestation gifts have valves. The fivefold gifts have valves. So how does that work practically? This is my discovery. With the fivefold gifts, I wish that was five. That would have made my illustration much better, but it's only four. But imagine two of those turned off. What happens? God's like, no problem. You won't let me move through prophet and apostle. Not a problem. I will move through pastor, teacher, and evangelist as much as you will allow me to. Right? But does it hinder? And the answer is yes, because there are two valves now that the grace and the kindness and the power and the impact and the, and, and the wonder of God wants to flow through, and we're not letting it. What about the man, manifestation gifts? Whole denominations, whole groups of people across the world who are believers, who are, love the, the, the fivefold gifts, or at least three of them, love the grace gifts, walking them powerfully. They turn off all of the manifestation gifts completely. Why? Because they're messy. Well, that's one reason why we have the fivefold gifts is to keep them from being messy because Paul was a fivefold gift who looked at the Corinthian church and said, hey, you guys, you're doing the manifestation gifts wrong. I want to talk to you about how to do them right, right? So, so when that grace flows through, it blesses this. When this grace blows through, it blesses everything in the whole world. And this is the picture. And whatever we turn off because we've maybe not looked at Scripture correctly or, you know, and I don't want to assume that I'm look, looking at Scripture entirely correctly, but I'm open to perspective. I'm open. Say, hey, what do you think about this? I have some challenge against that. That's great. But, but the, the source can't be you and your traditions and your denomination and your background. That can't be the source. Have to always go back. What is the source? This Bible, unchangeable. And we have, and again, that's part of what denominations and, and different groups have done is they, they've debated that over the years. But if we're honest, sometimes I just lean into my traditions because I do really, I don't, I'm uncomfortable with some of these other things. And my challenge to you today is don't be uncomfortable. Embrace the gifts that God has given. Today we're talking about the, the grace gifts, so embrace who God made you to be. But also if you come from a background that pushes back on some of these others, would you be willing to have an open mind and go back to Scripture and see what the Lord says about that. So before I go to this next point, I had, I had breakfast with a guy out on uh, Fort Rucker. He's a, he's a um, pilot. Well, he's, he's a, an instructor pilot. And I had breakfast with him, and he said, I had, he, he got in contact with me through the chaplain out there, and he said, uh, I have some questions, and I think you guys might have some answers, or at least a different perspective. Would you be willing to meet with me? He said, absolutely. Sat down. He said, I have been a part, and he named a denomination uh, my whole life, he said, I've been an active believer my whole life. I love Jesus, all these things. And he said, uh, the problem was during COVID, we ran into a lot of downtime because we didn't have some students coming in. So I had two or three weeks sometimes with no students, and I, I could do whatever I wanted. He said, that's your government dollars at work, by the way, so thank you for that. But he goes in. I was an aside. So he goes in, and he starts studying his Bible on a regular basis. He's got a ton of time to do it. He studies his Bible, and he said, I discovered some things in my Bible that I was either taught wrong or nobody ever brought up at all. And he said, I have some questions, because right after that, 
He said, I had a student come through who, was, who leaned into these manifestations in five-fold ministry gifts. And after we finished, she was a lieutenant. He was not. He was not an officer. She said, can I share something with him? He said, yes. And she shared a word of knowledge, which is one of those manifestation gifts. She shared a word of knowledge with him. It's basically something God told her about him to show him that God was interested in him. And it was irrefutable. There was no way she could have possibly known because he had told no one about this. It turned into a meeting after she went home, a meeting over the phone with her and her pastors and some of the leaders in her church that brought massive breakthrough in his life. So the blessing was he had not discovered some things, went back to Scripture. Nobody told him this. He just went back to Scripture and said, huh, that's, that's different than what I thought. And as he discovered it, something powerful happened. He began, his life began to be transformed because he opened, he opened his mind to say, God, if that's you, I want that, and it began to happen to him, right? Powerful. So now I'm just going to go through some, some common threads about all the manifestation gifts, all of the, uh, the five-fold ministry gifts, and all of the grace gifts that's going to apply to you. And then next week, we're going to talk about specifics about some of these gifts and how you can really find your, your place in that. So common thread, number one, unity of the body is always a priority. It's always God is driving toward unity. Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. See, now we do this, but not with gifts and strengths. We honor other people above ourselves in value. Prefer your brother, another passage says. Another passage says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. And then it finishes with, each of you should not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. God's saying unity is the primary drive. You, you cannot be an island unto yourself. God did not make you that way. You can't survive that way. And we saw a lot of that come out in COVID. Romans 12, 5. So in Christ... We who are many from one body and each member belongs to all the others. Um, given for service to others. Here's how these gifts work. They're not given just to you. They're given through you to serve others. Ephesians 4.16. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. Karen shared that in the, in the early part of the service. As each part does its work. So how does the body build itself up in love? If you don't do your part, we're missing that. So often people come and go, I just don't feel like I'm getting anything out of church. Well, what if it wasn't about just you getting something, but also you giving something? <laughs> what if the pastor wasn't the only one who was there to serve? Now, we understand that at DCF, and most of us are doing that. But so often what we don't realize is that when we serve, God builds us up. Not just the other people we're serving. He builds us up through that. Given for service to the others, Ephesians 4.16, again, as each part does its work, right? Should reflect the nature of God. This is a picture in Ephesians 4, 12, and 13, just a few scriptures before that. These gifts of fivefold ministry primarily to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. So did the fivefold gifts or at least part of them go away? This answers that question. Have we reached unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Because if we haven't, that's how long those five-fold ministry gifts were given. That's challenging, I know, if you didn't come from that background. But it's, it's still there, and it's in the Bible. So here, here's the other thing. We are all uniquely gifted. You are similar, but also different in so many ways. Romans 12, 6, we have different gifts 
according to the grace given to us by God, right? Everyone has gifts. If you're thinking, well, I don't really know what my gift is, so maybe I don't have one, the Bible speaks to that. 1 Peter 4.10, you'll hear this scripture all the time from me. Each one, that's every single one of us, should use whatever gift he has received, not may receive, it's past tense, you have received a gift, to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And then Scripture teaches this when he talks to Timothy. Paul talks to Timothy. He says, do not neglect your gift, which means you can, right? So you can neglect the gift that God put inside of you, and it won't bless you, and it won't bless others. That's kind of the picture. So another passage says, fan them into flame. This is 2 Timothy as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. The tendency of fire is to go out. I was, we had a fire pit Friday not too long ago with Alan and, Alan and Diane's grandsons, and I was showing him how to, he was a little bit younger, and I was showing him, I said, have you ever tended a fire? He's like, I don't, I don't think so. And so we, he was trying to grab the embers. I'm like, that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> but he, he, he watched it. We said, you've got to tend it because it starts to burn down. And if you don't tend the fire, if you don't fan it into flames, if you don't give attention to the gift he's talking about, it will begin to burn down. It will begin to get into an ember, and then you start saying, I just don't know if I feel God. I just don't know what my purpose is. I just don't know. Well, maybe it's because you're, you need to fan this gift that God has given you into flame. Notice it didn't say God will do it. It said you must, as a believer, fan the flame, right? I, I quit preaching and started meddling, didn't I? I'm sorry. We'll get there. <laughs> so I'm almost done, I promise. Faithfully administer them. This is 1 Peter 4.10. It goes to the end of that scripture, and it says, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Not faithfully administering your grace, even though it's yours, <laughs> right? But faithfully administering God's grace that's been given to you, right, to serve others. In other words, you can unfaithfully not administer the gift that God's given you. And some of that is from fear. There's lots of reasons. It's never been developed. So many reasons why we don't. But the challenge God gives us says, I've given every single one of you a gift. You are unique. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, one scripture says. And the challenge is, God, don't make junk. And I know that's grammatically incorrect, but it preaches well, right? The whole idea is, if you are thinking unworthy thoughts about yourself, you need to quit thinking that and get into thinking how God thinks about you. Well, I've, I've sinned. Well, then repent. It's not difficult. This is not rocket science, right? <laughs> it's, pow it's more powerful than rocket science. But repent. Think a new way about how God made you and his call, in, his, his call into your life. It's not your grace, but God's. And here's the thing. This is a picture of stewardship. We always think about that with money, but it's about everything that God's given us. Love, that stewarding, stewarding love is one of those. But listen to this. You can be a good steward or a bad steward, but to kill grammar again, <laughs> you are never not a steward. So you can be a poor steward of the gift that God's given you. You can, you can be a great steward, but you're never not being a steward. You don't get that option. You don't get to opt out. You don't get to do like Congress and vote present. <laughs> right? It's a coward's way out, honestly. So that's, that's what God's going. So how do you discover, because you're, now you're thinking, maybe it's true I have some of these gifts. How do you discover, and how are they recognized? It's real simple. Which way is grace flowing? 
We had a worship team up here. Rodney is our worship leader. I love him to death. He's awesome. I also hate him because he's more gifted than I am at leading worship, right? So he, he's got a beautiful voice. I also hate him for that. So, you know, I got a lot of things that we, I have to work out with him. But here's what's so powerful. His gift, his gift was poured into him for the benefit of all of us. But if I get all crazy and go, you know what? I just, I think I'm a better, I have a better job. Now listen, I'm not bad, right? I'm not horrible. Well, I don't get up here and screech and everybody runs out of the church. However, I've been in churches where people get up to sing and you start hearing them sing and you're like, literally, this is a true story. I was at a church doing some consulting for the pastor in his, in, his, in his church and they put a girl up to sing a special and she started singing and I literally thought that he's playing a joke on me. That is the worst singing I've ever heard in my entire life. No way they would let that woman up without being able to sing like that. And I hear some of you guys going, no, the Bible says make a joyful Lord noise to the Lord. That's to the Lord. Okay? I had to listen to it. I'm just saying, okay? <laughs> and so I went to him later and I said, uh, you know, what's up with the lady? And he's like, yeah, yeah that's a problem. <laughs> he said, we invited her. She said she could sing. We invited her up on a Sunday. I didn't try her out first. That was his first mistake. She starts singing. He's like, oh, dear God. And then someone said, that's just the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. And he goes, and then I, you know, emperor's new clothes. Who am I to want to say she's naked on the platform, right? And that had lasted now for two years. So I just looked at him. Again, I'm consulting with him. I'm like, this will be a short consult. <laughs> I said, you're going to have to deal with that because this is dishonest. And when she discovers this, if you don't tell her first and she discovers this, she will hate you and, and it, will, it will break her heart. Towards, towards the church and towards God, and especially towards leaders. And to his credit, he went and had that conversation, and it was rough. It, she almost left the church, but he had the real conversation with her. Why do, why do I use that? Because grace was not flowing out of her into you. You know what was happening that day? The whole congregation was giving her grace. So you want to discover how your gift works? Grace will flow. People will go, you know, you're a pretty amazing leader. Or you know what, you're really good at administration. Or you know what, every time I come to your house, there's hospitality just is amazing. Like I come in here and like I'm about to ask for something to drink and you already have it there. And then I'm like, I was going to ask for a spoon. You already put the spoon. I was going to say, do you have any sugar? You had sugar and Splenda and all that weird hippie stuff that you can sweeten your, I'm like, this is amazing, right? So what's happening? People are recognizing in you that grace is flowing in the right direction. I got to finish. <laughs> Who's frustrated or grumpy? If you are frustrated about something, there's a really good sign that that means you can do something about it. That means you're gifted in that area. So if, as church leaders, if, we're, if we have any intelligence at all, what we're going to do is we're going to say we welcome the feedback. What, where, what are we doing that maybe you see every new person who comes and becomes a part of our church, I go to them and I ask them, hey, would you do me a favor? Would you tell me what you see that you have questions about, <laughs> right? It's like, why y'all have that big map up on that wall over there? I don't know. That was here when I got here 13 years ago, and we talked about changing it, but I'm afraid if I do that, I'll lose, ha lose half the church. I'm just kidding. That's not true. But, I mean, it has been up there a long time. But why? I don't know. But you know why? Because 13 years ago, I saw that, and I said, I wonder why y'all have that map of it. I, I found out, by the way, later it was about mission, and I get that. That's why a lot of churches do it. But I had a question, and then I answered it, and I thought about it as a pastor, well, we, do we want that there? Do we want something there? Could that go maybe in the foyer? Could, so, right? But every time since then, I have not asked that question. We got a sign right over there that says restrooms out this door. Now, if you're new today, you need that. But once you find that restroom, you never need it again. See how that works? So if you're frustrated and you're grumpy, I want to know about it. 
And that's also a great indication that your gift somewhere is, is connected to that, and you could probably do something about it, right? So let me, let me do this. How do you release them? It's simple. You recognize them. Part of that is which way is grace flowing. Um, you can learn. You can take gift tests online. You can connect with leaders that will help you discover some of these gifts. You recognize them, and then you create practical expression for them. That's what grace teams are. They're practical expression for your gift. If you love kids or you love to teach or you love leadership or you can have a gift of administration and you don't even like kids, there's a whole purpose for the gift of administration in kids' church, and you never even have to look at a kid. And if you hate kids, except for your own, <laughs> I'm being careful, <laughs> and you're like, I could never work in kids' church, but I have a strong administration gift, that's a place we could use you, and we're not going to ask you to teach the kids. We don't want you teaching our kids. You don't like kids. Why would we want you teaching kids? See how that works? This is powerful. So you release them by practical expression, grace teams, community groups, um, you know, any time, a type of, in, in your in your. Uh, vocation, your job, you discover your gifts in those places, and then a big way is you just serve others and discover what you're good at. So now, I'm just going to put up here in just a second uh, a picture of our grace teams, and so I'll put that up on the screen, and then what I'm going to do now is I'm I'm about to close and and pray. I'm going to release our grace team leaders. They're going to go out there, and they're going to get ready. Like I said, through those doors, there's tables there. There's a little, uh, uh, little QR code. If you're ready to sign up and you already know and you've, you've already talked to teams, you can scan that. It'll take you right to the sign-up page. That's for you millennials, all the rest of us. We're going to have a pamphlet. No, I'm just kidding. We'll, we'll have some people back there with iPads or whatever to help us get through that if, you have, if you're struggling with it or have problems. But the whole idea is to go back there and look at some of those. If it's brand new to you, you don't have to decide today. I won't force you to do that, okay? That I could. <laughs> but what I'm asking you to do is, would you strongly consider the, the sermon I've given you today, the challenge to release your strength into the world the way God designed you? Because we believe when you do that, you will be the most satisfied. You will discover your purpose. You will get excited about life instead of walking around grumpy and frustrated all the time because you found the outlet that you were made for. And it begins, this is one way to begin it. So if you're a grace team leader, I want you to go ahead and go out these doors. Um, As you're looking at these teams, these are just some of the teams. If you're interested in some of those areas, you can ask some questions when you get back there. And again, if you want to have a coffee or talk about it a little more deeply, um, a lot of people say, hey, it's just not a good time for me. And so listen, I I just want to address that. I understand there are times when you have a season in life that you don't need to join a team. But can I just be honest with you? And can maybe you be honest with you? and say that's not all the time. So maybe quit using that as an excuse to say, you know what, um, it's just not my, I'm like, dude, it's not been your season for 10 years. <laughs> right? Now I don't do that. I want to, but I don't do that. <laughs> but I just want to challenge you. If, if it's a real season, somebody just had a baby, <clears throat> maybe you don't sign up for three grace teams and two community groups, okay? <laughs> but if, if you just had a baby, you know, if that baby's 19 years old and you used I just had a baby for that whole time to, yeah, y'all get it. All right, so again, these are the grace teams up here. So let me just finish with this. There's a, um, there's a, a famous poem. Most of you guys have heard it, um, and I'm sure read it sometime, but it comes from a man named C.T. Studd. C.T. Studd was a British missionary in the 1800s. He was from a wealthy family. He graduated from Eton School. If you know anything, I lived in, in England for about uh, six years. Eton is the premier school. Most of their royal family went to Eton. Some of them went to some other places, but Prince Charles went somewhere in Scotland, but Eton's the primary school. And then he graduated from there, 
went to Trinity College, Cambridge, also an elite school. He graduated in 1883. In the process, he had become a believer. He, had, he, was, he played cricket. So some of you guys don't even know what that is, but that's a big deal in England and India and the whole rest of the world. And he was really, really good at it. He could have gone pro. And he, he discovered there was a call in his life to go serve and to become a missionary. So two years after he graduated from Cambridge, he ended up connecting with Hudson Taylor and went with the China Inland Mission. And he became a missionary to China, India, and Africa. The guy had some big aspirations, right? All three of those died in his 70s, still on the mission field in the Republic of Congo. Phenomenal guy. So this was, a, this was a poem he wrote that became famous. I'm sure you've heard it. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life, twill soon be past, only what's done for Christ will last. Here's my favorite quote from him. I love it. I, I think I would really love to hang out with this guy. He said, I pray that when I die, all hell will have a party to celebrate the fact that I am no longer in the fight. I want to be that guy. 70 years old, still on the mission field in Congo. He had started mission. Go back. If you go back and look, he's a phenomenal guy, right? And, and here's the whole thing. He recognized that he could, and he said it, I could, I could invest in cricket, and I would have fun, and God would love me still. He goes, but I looked at that and goes, at some point, there's probably not going to be cricket in heaven. I know there's some people who think there will be, <laughs> or at least Alabama football in heaven, right? Or hell, depending on how you think about it. Uh, I know, I know. <laughs> but he looked at his life, and he said, I want to invest in something that's going to last forever. And so he said, I'm going to invest in people. So let me just say this, and I'm going to pray. People are the only thing that lasts forever. You guys got causes. Some of you guys got great causes. Save the whales. Hug the trees. I'm super happy. I like whales and trees. Love them. But they're not lasting forever. The people are. So God wants to pour out an inheritance in you, and part of the way he does that is through the gift that he gave you, the faithfully administrated. And as you do that, the inheritance of God flows into you before it flows out to others. So you walk, a steward, a really good steward, lives in a fine mansion that's not his. God has no problem with you being blessed. Has no problem with you having money or wealth. He just doesn't want money and wealth having you. Okay? So lay your life down for the only thing that's going to last forever. Invest in yourself, discover your gifts, and then take those gifts and invest in people. In the body of Christ, of course, we build each other up, the Bible says, and then from that, the church becomes a harvesting machine that rescues lost and broken people from the world and help them find relationship with a father they didn't even know they had. That's what God has called us to. Let me say this to you. It is worth laying your life down for. Nothing else is. So let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much. God, you're so amazing, and we love you. And so, Lord, help us discover more and more about who you are, and as Karen said in the opening, Lord, about who I am in you. Because, Lord, when I, when I find that, uh, hope comes alive in me, Lord. I get excited about what you've created me for, Lord. I can't wait to go do it again. I get energized, Lord, even though it's difficult, because it's what you made me to do. So, Lord, help me to hear you clearly and to lay down all the excuses and serve in the capacity that you've called me to. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So two things before you go out of here. If you're a parent and you got kids in 
Kids Church, will you go back right now, just get up and go back right now, and get your kids so that those grace team leaders can be out there when we dismiss everybody else. And then lastly, if you need prayer, even though it's kind of a special type of service, if you need prayer, that's part of our, one of our grace teams would love to do that, love to pray for you and minister to you. So if you need prayer and you want to take a few minutes to get prayer before you go back and do that, please come up. We'd love to pray, pray for you guys. Otherwise, have a wonderful week, and don't forget to go back and sign up for grace teams. Thank you, guys.